Hey Amarillo, I'm Jason Boyette, and you're listening to Hey Amarillo, the interview podcast featuring some of the most interesting people and stories of Amarillo, Texas. This episode of Hey Amarillo is supported by the Discover Amarillo app. This free download is designed to be a resource for new Amarillo residents and anyone else who wants to keep up with local events, activities, shopping, businesses, and more. It even maintains a list of family-friendly restaurants with Kids Eat Free offers. You can find out more at discoveramarillotx.com or head to your app store of choice to download the app today. That's the Discover Amarillo app, now available for iPhone and Android. And as part of our partnership with Brick and Elm Magazine, I want to give a podcast shout out to Kimberly Griggs at Ignite Coaching and Consulting, online at igniteconsulting.biz. Read the free e-edition of Brick and Elm at brickandelm.com. Today's guest is Katie Gann, the owner and creator of Hollow Dot Designs. After traveling all over the world, Katie settled in Amarillo, and she launched her jewelry brand, Hollow Dot, just a couple of years ago, selling in pop-up appearances at places like From Six Collective or Rafkins. And she really gained attention locally with her welded forever bracelets, which turns jewelry buying into a unique experience. So we talk about how that idea developed in this conversation, as well as why Amarillo and the Texas Panhandle were the perfect place for Katie to try something new. Here's Katie Gann. Katie Gann, welcome to the Hey Amarillo podcast. Thanks for being here. Thank you so much for having me. Well, it's my pleasure to have you. We were just discussing how you uh, know everyone in my family except for me. Yeah, um, first time meeting. They've been your uh, your clients, I guess, at Hollow Dot, and I have not. So I'm uh, I'm glad to talk to you. I, uh, I've been looking forward to this, and I want to start with you the same way that I start with everybody else and just ask how you ended up in the Amarillo area. Yeah, so I was born and raised here. Okay. I grew up in Amarillo. I played soccer competitively my okay. whole life, pretty much. Um, graduated from Amarillo High, started at WT, had this kind of unique opportunity to move away. So I lived in Canada. I lived in Europe. I did like a three-month stint in South Dakota. Okay. And all it, the all the big places to travel then. All the South Dakota, yeah. of course. All the big places. So I had this long-term relationship with a hockey player. And in the okay. off season, you know, he would go to Canada and I would come back to Texas to see family. So I would work at Amarillo National Bank. I was working there before, like during college. Mm-hmm. And then they would let me come back in the summers. Okay. So after that ended, I kept working at Amarillo National for about maybe five years and then started doing commercial real estate. So I worked for Thomas and Scott. Okay. Uh, for about a year. And then I got a job in Dallas. So I moved to Dallas doing commercial real estate, stayed there for a little bit. And then the pandemic hit. Well, during all of that, I started Hollow Dot, but we can mm-hmm. get back to oh, that. We, we'll get back to that in a little bit. But yeah, so the pandemic hit. I moved back to Amarillo because I was so homesick and I was able to work remotely. And then um, Hollow Dot kind of took off and I was able to do that full time. So it's a very quick story of me and Amarillo. Okay, so that's that sounds like a, a pretty lengthy work history, and you don't seem uh, that old. So tell me, um, tell me when you graduated high school. High school, yeah, two thousand six. Okay, yeah. And then, did you know, like career wise, 
what you wanted to do at no, that point? No, never. I mean, no, and when I meet girls now who are starting college and they're mm-hmm. like, I don't know what I want to do. I'm like, just keep going. So, like, you will figure it out. And I still feel like I've got it kind of figured out, mm-hmm. but not all the way. So when I was at WT the first time, I kind of did two like half stints because I started, I did two years and then I moved to Europe. And so I stopped going to school because this was kind of before uh, online school was a big thing. You could take one or two classes, but you couldn't do it entirely like you can now. Yeah. So then I, when I moved home, I finished school. I actually graduated college on the same day as my mom. Okay. Which was pretty amazing. That is And she listens to the podcast. So she lives in Baton Rouge, Louisiana now. So she loves keeping up with Amarillo and she listens. Okay. So that's... So hey, mom. Yeah. That's the uh, the Baton Rouge contingent that I see on the statistics. Yes. Oh, yeah. I mean, I can, I can tell. It's got to be. Sometimes that, that people are listening in weird places. So. Yeah. That's her. She probably has her friends listening also too. listeners in Idaho. There's some in New Jersey. So that's amazing. Yeah. Yeah, so I started working full-time as I was going to school full-time. So that was really challenging. I was like in my mid-20s. Mm-hmm. All my friends would be going out and doing things, and I would have to say, no, Because you were sorry. behind a few years. I was behind. I mean, I did the years in Europe that I was able to kind of get ahead in mm-hmm. a sense of just mentally, like I was able to travel. Life and experience. Life experience, culture, like mm-hmm. big, big-time cultural change. But then when I moved home, everybody had graduated. They were starting their jobs. So I was a little bit behind in that sense. Where did you live in Europe when you were there? Okay, I was in France and then two different places in Germany. Okay. And then I did about a month in Denmark. Okay. Which was really cool. Tell me what you studied at WT. Marketing. Okay. Which That was it, the degree that you got then? That was the degree I finished with. It changed so many times. And then eventually it kind of had to be marketing to work with my schedule. So it was the most creative business degree I could get. Okay. And I, I've known a lot of people who got their start working at Amarillo National Bank. It you is know, as such a, a great place to work. Or, I mean, there, there are lots of entry-level positions. And sometimes you do it like you for several years or several summers. Other times you do it, you know, when you're 18 and then you end up, you know, in your forties and you're a vice president or something. Yeah. Which I know a lot of people that are like that have done that. I started in customer service and I took my job really seriously. I mean, I loved servicing my customers, which I think has a huge impact on how I run my business now being a small business owner. Is, is that something that was natural to you or is that something that kind of came from the, the A and B culture? I would say both. I'm a, I love serving people anyway. And so when I started at Amarillo National, I started in their downtown okay. lobby. So the um, officers would bring me their customers, like basically hand them off to me. So I knew I really had to take care of right. this person. So that kind of instilled in me that every person, no matter who they were, was important, of course. So I would just, you know, they entrusted me with that and I took a lot of pride in that. So I eventually kind of moved around to different positions, but I always stayed in kind of a customer service role. And it's so ingrained in me to this day. Right. Did you ever think that that banking or finance or something might be a future for you? No. Or? And the only reason why I did it was because my my older brother, Landon, he started in banking 
And I just like did everything he did. Like okay. every step he took, I was like, well, that's what I have to do. Re- not realizing like, wow, we're two completely different people. This might not be the best avenue for me. Because I loved working there, but I always felt like something was missing, which is kind of why I started Hollow Dot. Okay. It was my passion project, my creative outlet. I had just graduated from WT. So this was like 2016, 2015 or 2016. Okay. And I, my mom gave me like a Hobby Lobby gift card for graduation. So I went to Hobby Lobby and I bought all this stuff knowing now, like I can't run a sustainable business with craft supplies. I mean, this was years ago, but I had everything I needed in this little shoe box. And so my family does a big week long trip every year, like cousins, grandmother, my dad. Mm-hmm. And I had this little shoe box. And so I was like beating earrings while we were in Pagosa Springs, Colorado. And my cousin's wife, Emily, was like, Katie, we're going to remember this moment forever. She's like, once your business takes off, we're going to talk about you beating the earrings in the shoebox. Yeah, this is where it started. Yeah. So it's pretty cool to see now that I have like a pretty big, I mean, I have a home office, but I mean, it's like a full production. Mm-hmm. Starting from the shoebox. Shoebox. Did did you take jewelry classes at Amarillo High? I mean, had you done anything like that? No, and I kind of wish I did, but I'm almost glad that I didn't because everything I do is, you know, self taught. Mm-hmm. I figure it out on my own, so I'm not going the same avenue as other jewelry makers. If that makes sense, it it gives you a little bit of a fresh perspective yeah. or a, a, a creative way to look at it that maybe is not ingrained in you had you learned it in college. Yeah. Had like I that. gone the route where someone taught you a way, I, it's always been so exploratory for me. I've kind of, I just do what I like and I do what I think my customers like mm-hmm. and then it kind of works out. So tell me, tell me about the thinking um, as you started making that transition, whether it was during the pandemic or uh, while you're doing real estate in Dallas to, to thinking, okay, this is something that maybe needs to expand beyond my shoebox, you know, yeah. and, and be something I take a little bit more serious. It was absolutely during the pandemic. It was like right maybe six months in, so maybe early fall, on the phone with my dad, just really upset that I wasn't contributing to our society. Hmm. I was just making jewelry. Like I was not, what was I doing to help the suffering that we were all experiencing? And, you know, he gave me good advice. He said, you love what you do. I think you should just use how you're feeling to fuel the fire that you feel to move forward. So that's kind of when my Welded Forever line was born. Mm -hmm. So I introduced that. I think it was December 19th of 2020. 2020. So almost a year and a half ago. And it took off. I mean, it's a great product, so I'm really happy that everybody else likes it as much as I do. But it brought me so much community. Mm-hmm. Like, I'm able to sit face-to-face with my customers on almost a daily basis, right. and I love getting to know them, hearing their stories. People have come to get my bracelets or whatever they're getting welded on, and they do it for a celebration. They mourn a loss. They do it just because they do it with their mom, their sister, their best friend. And I get to be a part of that. Right. It's the the coolest thing ever. Were, were you here when you had that idea or were you, was that before you moved back? I was here. You'd already moved uh, back Yeah, here. I was here working remotely. Had you seen 
any other jewelry makers do something like that? Yeah, yeah. So there is a brand in New York City that kind of started the permanent jewelry trend. So I took their concept, and it was really over Thanksgiving. My cousin's wife, Emily, the one who commented on the shoebox, she really encouraged me to do it. She's like, no, like, People will love it. And I, you know, and I I debated because the price point is a little bit higher than mm-hmm. what I'm used to selling. But then I ultimately I just decided, you know what? Like, I love it. My family will love it. Maybe the community will like it too. And it really took off. Like that's the reason that I think it caught my attention because I first saw the idea. I'm I'm not really a, a jewelry guy. Um, but I I saw that idea and I thought, okay, that's interesting. I've not heard of something like that. Yeah. And then all of a sudden, you know, my my wife was interested in it and my kids were doing it and like all these people in my orbit were going to see you and I thought, "Okay, that's that's something that is unique." Yeah. Uh, it was really very very new to our community. There were maybe a couple of brands obviously in New York. I knew there was one person in Austin and then on the West Coast there were a handful. But not many people had ever even heard of this. Mm-hmm this concept. And I want to make sure that that listeners know what you're talking about with the concept. And so what happens is is someone will sit down with you, they'll pick out uh, a a type of chain, let's say for a a necklace or a bracelet, and then you will permanently, well, air quote permanently, it it can come off, but but you will. I market them as permanent. Reality, they're semi-permanent. Like you can take them off at any time. It's not like a tattoo. But I, I essentially fuse the metal of the chain together with a little welder. And so it's a permanent ju- piece of jewelry on their right. body. So when a lot of people hear it, they're like, what? Like, why would you do that? And then I feel like in their minds, they imagine these like huge cuffs of right. metal. But in, they're just tiny, dainty chain. They're very pretty. And it's kind of fun. Now, a lot of, I would say half of my customers now are repeat. Okay. So they, they get come, one and then they want... They come to add more. So it's become really special to create these bonds with them. So I see them and I'm like, oh my gosh, how's it going from last time? Tell me about, you know, your mom. Tell me. It's just, it's really special. And you're right. It does require, like, there's an intimacy to it. I mean, I'm very, we're very close together. Yeah. You're you're sitting on opposite sides of a table. It's, It's not like you create a you know, some earrings and then sell those earrings. Like it's something you have to be involved in. Yeah. Which is something that I didn't even really knew that I was missing, you know, in like in my heart. So now that I get to do this, it is the most fulfilling experience Hmm. ever. Cause typically I would just sell the item, you know, send it to them in the mail or sell it at like Christmas roundup or at a Pete's maker's market. But now like being face to face, cultivating these relationships has become just beyond and so my friends joke that all my customers are like my best friends, mm-hmm. but they are. Like every time I, if I see one out, I'm like, oh my gosh, how are you? And they run up to me and they stick their arms out to show me their bracelets. And it's really special. Are you primarily working in this area? I, I know you travel some too. Like, are you going to other communities to do this? Yeah, I've gotten into the Lubbock market, which has been cool because, you know, Amarillo has so many ties to Lubbock. Mm-hmm. So every time somebody sits down with me in Lubbock, they're like, oh, my aunt lives in Amarillo, my grandmother. So that's really nice. I did a market in Baton Rouge okay. where my mom lives. I've gone to Waco twice. I go to Dallas, gone to Dallas a few times. And then I really like to go to the small towns. 
around Amarillo just because a lot of them were coming to me and I realized it's probably easier just for me to go to them. And it's fun. The the people in our small communities are so sweet and so kind. Do you have a sense of who your your target market is? I no. mean, is it certain ages or anything like that? Or is it no and distributed? As a marketing person, that's really hard to narrow down because I have no idea who's going to sit down in front of me next. Is it going to be a teenager? Is it going to be a grandmother? Is it going to be, you know, someone my mom's age? Like mm-hmm. there's, it's, it differs from person to person. I welded a bracelet on a one week old baby. Wow. Her little, her sisters had them. And so they wanted the baby to have one and they brought it. And I was like, okay, let's do this. <laughs> how, how do you do that? Knowing a, a tiny little chubby wrist is going to grow. The, oh yeah. Know? And I even said like, you know, we're Come gonna, back to you're going to have to cut this off. But yeah. I encouraged them like put it in her baby book. It'll be her first, you know, weld a bracelet with her sisters because they grow so fast. Mm-hmm. But it was really cute to see like how excited the sisters were that their baby sister That's funny. was matching. Do you have a lot of people that just like see you at a market and show up and sit down? Without like having, you know, made a, you know, gotten on your schedule or or made an appointment or anything like that? Yeah, I do. Um, I always try to accommodate the people. I call them walk ins. I'm so I'm mostly appointment based right now, Mm -hmm. which is pretty amazing because my, I will open up my calendar and then everybody will go online and schedule their appointment. And I set them to run a little long because I, you know, I like to talk to them and sometimes I get caught up like in conversation. And then that also, so the person waiting who just walks up so I can get them in. So it's kind of twofold how that works. But I do my best to accommodate everybody. But I can't always, I mean, I can't always, but I try. How do you think about the marketing aspect of it? Like, how do you get on people's radar? Are you mostly using social media? A hundred percent. Really? It's all mostly Instagram. So what I started doing about six months ago was when I, when I weld. A, an item on them, bracelet, necklace, I will take their photo on Instagram and then I tag them in it. So they're able to share that on their Instagram. Mm-hmm. And as a result, their friends can kind of click back to me. And it's really helped to grow my Instagram following and Facebook. Is that something that was fully formed when you started? You thought, this is what I'm going to do. This is how I'm going to reach people. Or did you kind of figure that out? Oh as my you gosh. Went? It's all, like I said before, it's all so exploratory. I just like try things and see what works. And I do that with everything, with, you know, jewelry I make, with marketing that I do. I'm actually paired up right now with a class at WT mm-hmm. and they're basically like my marketing agency. Okay. And they're primarily focusing on paid ads. But I told him, I said, okay, you know, here's our budget. Do what you want to do. Mm-hmm. Like all bets are off, like shoot for the stars and we'll see what happens. And so they were just thrilled because yeah. I, I was basically like, I don't, I don't really know. Like, we don't know what we're going to do until we try, which is how I kind of tackle everything. I mean, everything in my life. Like, I don't know how this is going to go, but if I try, we'll see. And we'll, it's either going to go great, which it has, like with the Welded Forever Mm -hmm. line, or it's not going to go great, which it has before in the past. I want to know how you think, like, like when you have a product like this one that is so popular, and I also know that you do other kinds of jewelry. Like, how do you think about... All right, this is a thing that is really trendy right now. It's a big chunk of what you do. Mm-hmm. 
you never know how long that's going to last. Oh, it's you know, terrifying. People are going to be like, oh, welded bracelets. That was so 2021. Oh, of you know, course. Like, how do you think about sustaining it, continuing to do new things like uh, in a business like yours? It is terrifying. And I stay up at night thinking about that exact same thing. I've, I've realized that. So when I launched these, like I said, end of 2020, right whenever I feel like the doors were opening from COVID, we were masked, we were, mm-hmm. you know, I was hand sanitizing, of course, between every single person. I mean, my hands were just so dry. Right. But I, I mean, it was something that I had to do. I, and people were so thrilled to be getting out and doing something and experiencing things. We can order anything we want on the internet. Mm-hmm. You cannot order an experience. Right. So that's something that I've really tried to tap into is what can I do experience-based? So I've soft-launched a build-your-own like earring bar and necklace. So I basically have like different components to earrings, and my customers can come and put them together and make their own, okay. which is another thing. Like you, you maybe could order that online, like order the different pieces, but it's not the same as coming and doing it, you know, at, on location. It's like build a bear workshop. It's like build a bear for grownups, right? For grownups, yeah. And and I think that is interesting uh, because that is something that I hear more and more about. That instead of just buying a product, people, especially like younger generations, are more interested in an experience. And if you get that experience and then have this product that comes along with it. And you've hit both of those, you know, buckets of, exactly. of what people are looking for. Yeah. Yeah. If you can come and do the thing and leave with that thing, mm-hmm. I mean, it's it's magic. And then the person leaves. I mean, girls will walk out of their appointments with their arms in the air. Just <laughs> looking at just, it. Just, you know, admiring their bracelet. And it fills me with so much joy to see that they're so excited about that. Because I'm so excited, too. So it's great that it's so mutual. Tell me about starting something new in Amarillo. I mean, obviously the timeline and the pandemic has an influence on how it's grown, but what what impact does this area or this community have on it? I mean, you mentioned that you'd seen it, you know, at, at jewelry makers in New York. Yeah. Um, like, why has this worked in Amarillo? I think, I think partially is because our community is so so supportive of small businesses and new ideas. I have known people that have that have been inspired by what I've done here and have tried to start it in other places, other states. And they've had success, but not maybe not as much. Mm-hmm. I truly believe it's just because our community is like so tight and we really love each other and we really want to take care of each other. And so people started coming and they realized, oh, this is really cool and it's local and like nobody else has it. I want one of those too. I want, or I want two or three or right. more. I I contribute it a hundred percent to our community. And it's also been a little bit of right place, right time because oh my gosh. And the, I mean, since you've started doing this from six collective has opened, we've started seeing more. Um, makers markets, places like Pete's, like the opportunities to get in front of people, I think have really grown. They have. So when I launched these from six collective had been open for a month, Mm -hmm. maybe. And so I went to Casey and I, and I already had my jewelry was already on display there. So hollow dot sits there full time. Even if I'm not there welding, like my earrings, my necklaces are all out there. 
So I approached Casey and I was like, hey, I've got this idea. I don't want to talk about it yet because I'm nervous. Because every time I think I have this great idea, like somebody else will do it first. Mm -hmm. And so I was like, I can't, I'm not speaking on this at all until I'm launching it. And she was like, so she would text me trying to guess it. Is it this? Oh, so she didn't even this? know at the no, end. No, I wouldn't tell her. And so finally I was like, okay. I'm going to do welded bracelets, which it just started as bracelets. Mm -hmm. And then as people requested other items, I was like, yeah, sure. Whatever you want to do. I welded a belly chain really? on two different people. All right. Yeah. I was like, okay, whatever you want. I'm just coming from a place of yes at all times. Although I did say no to toe rings. Okay. Hard like pass a, for me. Like making toe rings or like some sort of like welding? Like welding a toe ring on okay. a foot. I said, I'm going to not do that. It seemed, yeah, there seemed to be some... Uh, a little bit too some, much. Some danger maybe attached to that. Yeah, yeah. Being too close to the toes. Yeah. You'd have to get it pretty tight to keep you it to stay on You'd have to get there. it pretty tight. And mm -hmm. I just don't want to get that yeah. close to somebody's toe. I understand that. But yeah, so I went to Casey. So I told her and she's like, oh my gosh, yes, this is like LA. This is so exciting. So then that pressure was on, right? Like I had to, I had to perform. I had to, people had to like the product. Right. And they did. So the first day I did it, I wasn't doing appointments because I was like, oh, maybe a few people will come. I had a half circle around me of people just waiting for hours. Wow. And they would sit down and I would be like, okay, are you ready? And they were so sweet. And I remember one lady said, are you Okay. Do you need to get a glass of water? Do you need a break? And I was like, no, like you've been waiting two hours. Yeah. How sweet to think of me. It was just so nice. And then when you have a situation like that, something brand new that all these people just kind of discover because they were at it from six that day. Yeah. They're going to go back and show their bracelets to everybody. Mm -hmm. And so they become your, your advertising mm -hmm. in a sense. They do. And they, and what I was kind of going back to how I feel like we're all friends, they'll go say like, oh yeah, my friend Katie, mm -hmm. you know, welded this bracelet with hollow dot, whatever. Um, and no, this hasn't happened to me yet, sadly, but girls have told me that they'll be out and somebody else will come up to them and say, is that a hollow dot? And they'll compare their stacks is what we've been calling them. And Which I'm is like, multiple, multiple Is when you have multiple. On. Yeah. If you have like more than one, you have a stack. Um, so I'm like waiting for that moment to happen to me, but then I forget like, well, I welded their bracelet, so they obviously know who I am. Right. Well, you have a stack of your own. Yeah, I do. I've got my own little stack. Did, did you, were you able to do that yourself or did you I had a help? little help. Okay. Yeah. I get to a certain point and then I have to kind of pass the tools off and have, you know, whoever's there helping me, but they all, mine all kind of mean something, which is kind of cool. Like each one has a significance attached to it. Okay. Which is very similar to a tattoo. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, it's just uh, a little bit different medium. Yeah, exactly. Um, and then they can be removed. Right. Yeah. Without expensive and painful laser treatments. Yeah, just some scissors. I'd like to, to kind of pivot a little bit since you have traveled so much and, um, have lived other places and now obviously you're living and working here. A lot of times it's, it's when people leave Amarillo and go someplace else that they, figure out what they really miss about Amarillo or what is is maybe more meaningful or more significant about home. And I wonder if that was the case for you. I mean, obviously you're, you know, going all over 
Canada and Europe and seeing some cool places. Did that give you a different perspective on on where you grew up? Absolutely. Um, Canada was Canada was great because their people are so friendly. Mm-hmm. Obviously, I, so I lived in British Columbia. It was gorgeous. Very different place. Oh from my goodness! Umbrella. They call it God's country. It was very beautiful, and the people are so sweet. But I mean, nothing compares to our people. It's wild, and I try to explain it to people that are not from Amarillo. They're like, what is it about Amarillo? And I'm like, it's the community. You will not find this anywhere else. So mostly like I experienced that in Dallas. Hmm. I would go to the coffee shop and I would try to make conversation with the barista. Like, how's it going? And they would just give me a look like I'm working. (laughs) A little suspicious. Yeah, like what? Why are you talking to me? And then I, you know, I would take, I lived by White Rock Lake. So I'd take... I had, three, I had three little dogs at the time, and I would take one walking, and the cyclist would yell at me, out of the way. And I was like, I, I got to get home. I hate it here. The people are just, you know, nobody's as considerate. Mm-hmm. I, we're, we're so considerate of each other here. We hold doors. You know, we we rally around each other. If there's a crisis, you don't really find that other places. Are you surprised at where you've ended up? I mean, looking <laughs> back at maybe who you were in high school or what you thought you were going to do when you started at WT. I mean, does this feel like obvi- obvious that you've ended up here or does it seem seem like a surprise? Oh, it's a huge surprise. I wake up every day and I, I'm like, is, is this my life? Is this my life? Because I'm doing my dream job. I set my own schedule. I work from my house so I can be around, you know, my dogs. Mm-hmm. I just had an intern come on who is, she's incredible. And I, so I think back, like, what would my younger self think of my life now? Because my life is so different than I thought it would be as a teenager or um, even like a young adult Mm -hmm. in college. And it's nowhere near, you know, I, I thought in my mind being in the Texas panhandle, Oh, I'm going to be married by 22. I'm going to have children by 25. You know, neither of those things right. are here now, but like I am so fulfilled that it's okay that my life isn't exactly what I would have maybe imagined, but it's like even more than I thought it could be. The last question I wanted to ask is, you know, I have seen, and, and this is just anecdotal over the past two or three years, um, but so many woman-owned businesses kind of either cropping up or reaching the fulfillment of what they always could have been. And I wonder how you think about that. Do you think, oh, I'm, you know, I've, I've started my own business. That's a special thing. Or do you think, oh, this is just how we do things here? Because it's, it is a change. There, there weren't as many as there are now a decade ago, you know, 20 years ago. Women are so tenacious. What was really cool for me was I was at... I did the Magnolia uh, Silobration, which okay. is in Waco, mm-hmm. the Chip and Joanna Gaines, you know, back in the fall. And it was like, there were, I think there were 30, maybe 40 vendors and maybe 30 of the 40 were all women owned, okay. which was pretty magical. And most of them were mothers and had their little kids with them. And it's so interesting to see how much tenacity women have. We truly want to do it all. We want to be homemakers. We want to be business owners. We want to do all the things. So I don't think, I don't think being a woman having a business is a surprise because there's so many of us, 
But it's... And it shouldn't be. Yeah, exactly. Especially now. But it's it's just amazing to see, especially my friends with kids. I don't know how they do it. I'm exhausted running my small business out of my house. I mean, truly exhausted. And then I look at my friends with their kids running their businesses and I'll text them, how, how are you doing this? Yeah. And they're like, I don't know. I just do it. Do you think anything has changed in this area to where that doesn't seem like as uh, as much of an aberration maybe as it used to be? I mean, I, you, you didn't see as many, you know, maybe when you were in high school or when you were even in college. And so something has changed. And I, I wonder what that is, if, if it's more of an acceptance, if it's more opportunity has changed, if it's more there, there are more markets for it than there used to be. I think all of those things. And then I think it's mostly... I mean, look at who, who look at who the spenders are in the families. It's mostly the women, the moms, the daughters, and I think women want to support women business. Mm-hmm. Um, I also think that women feel inspired by other women in business, which is cool. So you see one person doing something, and you think, "Oh gosh, like I I could do that," which I think is amazing because I feel like I've inspired a few people to start their mm-hmm. own you know, jewelry companies. And so I'm pretty proud of that. This episode is supported by the Texas Outdoor Musical. A few weeks ago, you heard podcast guest Stephen Crandall talking about the magic of performing the Texas Outdoor Musical under the stars on summer evenings in Paladero Canyon with the canyon walls as a backdrop. Crandall performed as the show's lead in 1999, and he's returning this season as the artistic director. And I'm excited for this season, not just because I love the musical, which I first saw when I was a kid, but because I can't wait to see how the artistry changes under Stephen's direction. This family-friendly show about the pioneers who built this area runs every day of the summer, except for Mondays, and it starts in June, so just a few weeks away. Get your tickets now at texasshow.com. That's texas-show.com, and you can choose your seats online and the tickets start at a little more than $20 a ticket. That's texas-show.com. Okay, I'm back with Katie Gann. Katie, this is the part of the show I call 8 Straight. 8 Straight is sponsored every week by Panhandle Plains Historical Museum and Canyon on the WT campus. It's the largest history museum in Texas, and its collection includes multiple spur designs used by Texas cowboys throughout the 19th century. Uh, I kind of think of spurs as the... uh, cowboy equivalent of of jewelry back then. Um, Some of them were really big and kind of scary looking spurs, but you can uh, learn more and see some of those at panhandleplains.org. Okay, eight straight questions. Um, And I know that this first one is something that you probably have an opinion on because you were right in the middle of it, but what's one thing the pandemic has revealed to you about local people? I'm probably going to sound like a broken record to your other guests, but really it's just how the local people have rallied around each other to support our small businesses. But it was really, really nice to see people buying gift cards for restaurants when mm-hmm. they couldn't operate and ordering takeout as much as possible. It was really touching. And remember when the we were told to display yellow? Yeah, at the very beginning. At the very beginning. So I was I was going on walks and bike rides and seeing all the yellow, you would just get goosebumps. Mm-hmm at how encouraged our community was to support each other. Was it something that you struggled with 
how can I do this welded bracelet thing when you do have to be in somebody's space? I mean, obviously you were wearing masks and stuff, but was it, was it ever something that felt unsure? Yeah, of course. Yeah, definitely. And I even thought, you know, do I need to get like a plexiglass divider? Yeah. With little hand holes yeah. that you can. But I mean, that almost took away from the, the intimacy of right. it, which I think is part of how special it is. Um, I'm glad we didn't go that route. And once we took the masks off, I could see their smiles mm-hmm. and it was even better. But the fact that people were so trusting of me during such a heightened time of, I mean, we were just so afraid. Nobody knew what was going on or if you were going to get sick. It was it was really special that people had so much faith in me during mm-hmm. that. But I was so diligent about I would like change my mask out and I would wash my hands so frequently just just because I was touching their arms, right, you yeah. know. I didn't know yeah, somebody's knew. arm going to pass a germ to the next arm and it was pretty it was kind of terrifying. Okay. Okay, other than wind, what does this area have too much of? Okay, anybody that knows me is going to know the answer to this one. We have too many animals in the shelters. All right. Our our shelters and rescues are bursting at the seams. I'm a big adopt, don't shop. I'm maxed out in my house of shelter <laughs> animals. And I'm always thinking of ways that I could I can foster more and foster more, and I just can't. And I know that's something that it, it is so frustrating, maybe even from the perspective of the city. I mean, they're working hard to, like, fix that, but you can't control. No, you can't. You know what people are doing or, you know, if they're letting their cats or dogs get out and all the kinds of stuff. That's you know, happening. there's a few ways you can control it with certain sterilization, which is, like, a conversation for a different time yeah. that they've done in other states. So Colorado is pretty tight on that. But a lot of people community-wise are afraid it's going to take away their freedom to allow their pets to have puppies and things. So it's challenging. It's it's as complicated as it is. any other issue. Is. Oh, yeah. But I definitely think that's what we have too many of. Okay. What does this area not have enough of? This one is so hard for me. You know, I feel like we're I'm so fulfilled generally as a person in our community and anything we don't really have, you can just ship in online, which for <laughs> yeah. me, it's like shopping at Zara or Nordstrom. Um, but I feel like we could use more, maybe like family oriented community events. My brother lives in the Dallas area and they're always going to like little picnics with movies or like fun little outdoor concerts, which, mm-hmm. you know, we've got June jazz and music in the gardens, but I really miss those when those aren't happening. There's a there's a lot of places in Amarillo, and I, I think Town Square maybe tried to become this, where you have a lot of residential areas and a lot of business areas all packed into kind of a, a single place. And then those places in the summer, you know, they've got a stage and they've always got somebody playing the guitar out there. And it just becomes like a, a very organic gathering place. And we don't really have anything like that, at least not yet. Not yet. It would be nice if we did. Just somewhere to go and hang out, spend time with your friends where you're not just like sitting in somebody's backyard, which is obviously very fun. But being able to be out in the community doing those things, you know, other than just June or through the summer. How do you describe Amarillo to people outside the area? Okay, I tell everybody not from Amarillo how special our community is. Because they'll, you know, when I go to my other events, they're like, what's Amarillo like? And I'm like, you you won't get it until you're there. They're the, It's truly the best people on the planet. I wish I could have extra, explain it better. You have, to, that, you no, have I, to be here to experience it, right? Like you don't know until you come. I, I think that's legitimate. Um, 
What's your favorite neighborhood in Amarillo? I am pretty partial to Bivens. Okay. I've had, this is, I'm on my third house right now. I've like rented, rented, and I just bought. Okay. In Bivens? In Bivens. I love it. And that's also your headquarters then, right? That's hollow.hq is what we call it. Um, The I love like the old homes and the character and like my house has creaky floors and it's it's so cute and so quaint and the trees and the people. I like I love the older neighborhoods. Okay. What's your favorite local restaurant? Okay, I've got two for this one. All right. Faves for lunch. Yeah. Their chicken salad is out of this world. And then I'm a big baby crush fan. Okay. It's always my pick for our girls' night dinner. Is there a reason you choose Baby Crush over Big Crush, Downtown Crush? You know, I feel like part of this is contributing to me living in Europe. I love smaller restaurants. Okay. I think they're more intimate, and I find the food to be always a little bit better. Just because Maybe this is just such a smaller scale. But, you know, when you when you go to a restaurant, say, in Paris, mm-hmm. there is, it's, I mean, you, they only seat seven tables. Yeah. And then yeah. there's one chef, and then he maybe has an assistant, and then there's one server. So it's really small scale and it just, you can stay a little bit longer and there's no rush. So I'm pretty partial to the smaller. Okay. Yeah. That's a really good point that, that Baby Crush has a little bit more of that European feel. It kind of does. When was the last time you wore cowboy boots? Okay. The last time I wore cowboy boots, I think was in 2018. It was a Heal the City event that my friend Elizabeth Carter chaired. Mm-hmm. And I borrowed a pair of city boots from my friend wow. Peyton. Okay. Yeah. Yeah, city boots. That's a that's a very Amarillo tied yeah. boot line. Yeah, and she's amazing. Yeah, she's doing great. Things. So I haven't invested in a pair yet, um, just because I don't wear cowboy boots very often. Right. I'm the furthest from a cowgirl that you'll get. But luckily, Peyton had an extra pair. Okay, well, let's stay on that theme. When was the last time you visited the Big Texan? I can't remember the last time, but I remember it like the most special time before my grandmother. My dad's mom loved the Big Texan, so she always wanted to go on her birthday. Okay. So she would get get the the free prime prime rib, rib, which is really delicious. And then she was friendly with the the sweet men that come around playing the music. Okay, yeah. And so we got them to come around, and she requested a song, um, and they played it for her. And then, like, she and I took a picture under the little Big Texan. It's like a little photo frame outdoors where you can, like— Right, yeah. um, And then she passed away about a year later. Okay. So that memory is so dear to me. Okay. And that concludes the eight straight questions. I like to close, Katie, by asking my guests to endorse something. So what's one thing you would want listeners to know about or to experience? I have to say, I'm sure people have said this already, I have to say from Sixth Collective, Mm -hmm. I still have a lot of my customers coming to me out because I sit out there primarily. That's kind of my home base for when I do my welded jewelry. Mm -hmm. I would say, you know, 70% of my customers that come, it's their first time coming out there. Really? Yeah, because okay. I try to ask, have you been out before? And most, I mean, a lot of them are like, no, I haven't. So I really want people to go. Casey, Josh, and their team work really hard to support the small, all of us small businesses. Right. They put on really great events. Um, I hope any everybody goes. I mean, it's like a... 10-minute drive Yeah, from it's, it's really it's easy to get there from Amarillo. And and I always am curious, like, how many people are Amarillo shoppers or Bushland, Bushland shoppers, somebody going there as a destination, and how many people just are driving down I-40 
and see a billboard and stop there and are surprised, you know, to find all this stuff. Yeah. And when they come in and talk to me, they're like, this is not what I thought this place was going to be. I'm mm-hmm. like, I know. It's amazing. It's the best place ever. Okay. Well, Katie Gann, thank you so much for being on the podcast. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me. And that concludes the episode. I want to say thanks to Katie for the interview. You can learn more about Dot and see where she's going to be next at hollow.designs.com. Thanks also to Angelina Marie for editing this episode and to sponsors the Discover Amarillo app, the Texas Outdoor Musical, and Panhandle Plains Historical Museum. If you like this podcast, and I hope you do, please give us a five-star rating on Apple Podcasts. And if you don't mind, leave a review. That really helps other people find the show. As usual, this podcast exists on a weekly basis because of listeners like you. So thank you for listening as well as the local people who support it financially through patreon.com slash heyamarillo. Heyamarillo's executive producers include Wilson Lemieux, Josh Wood, Corey Burns, Wes Reeves, Patrick Burns, Jason Burr, Katie Linger, and Barbara and Jim Witten. This has been episode 244. My name is Jason Boyette, and I'll see you next week. <laughs>